0: Hey, Simple Passive flow listeners. Now on today's podcast, we're going to be doing a coaching call with a longtime Hui investor. And we're just going to call him Henry in this case. And if you guys haven't heard of this acronym, it's kind of neat. Henry stands for high income, not wealthy yet. But he's certainly accredited um, nowadays, that's for sure. But I think he is a great role model. And this particular gentleman has been a great blue guy for us in our Hui investor group. As most of our investors are in their 40s and 50s, uh, but they have younger kids finally going to college, and that's really the benefit of our mastermind group. And if you were to come out to our retreats, is they get access to these kind of Henrys, these high income, not wealthy yet guys that work for Amazon, Microsoft, making about a buck fifty, hundred fifty thousand dollars out of college, and the world is at their fingertips if they can find a way not to get caught up in the rat race, just like all the other friends. But before we get to that, just had a tax sit down with my guy and just wanted to go over some takeaways I had. Now, if you guys want to get the full tax, Simple Passive cash flow guide, you can go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax. But I just want to list out a few of these takeaways that I had. So first, cash the donations, $300 per person or six per couple. Now this is important above the line. You can take up to 100% of your HEI, but remember this goes away in the year 2022 where it goes down to 60%. So you might want to think about doing it every other year perhaps. Number two here, 50% of your meal and beverage deductions is typical, but remember. In the year 2021 and 2022, it is 100%. So that is going away after this year, 58 and a half cents per mile for your mileage. Uh, Number four here, equipment purchases in the year 2022. This goes away in the year 2024. Just keep that back in your head. So about a couple of years from that. The fifth point here. Everybody was talking about the 1031s getting killed. And I think this is the same thing that several years ago when we are doing the same fire dance. Look, it's just an example where there's just a bunch of games being played. and I think a lot of just kind of marketing by CPAs to get that you using fear tactics, you will. Clear minds typically prevail. Although I do think that in the future, it's going to get harder to pay less tax. And that's why you need to get on this now and understand how the games are being played. Number six here, on January 1st, 2026, the tax rates will go back up. As right now, they're a little low. The 12% tax rate goes back up to 15%. The 22% tax rate goes back up to 25%. 24% tax rate goes up to 28%. And I'm a person always asked why, the reason behind this is, I think this came about, Trump put this in, or this was a stimulus plan package where the tax rate would, def, would temporarily, again, until 2026, all the tax brackets are brought down, maybe a few percent points across the board to give people generally some tax relief there. Which means, well, and this is where you have to take ownership over your own plans. If the taxes are going to be going back up for the next several years, now is the time to be potentially jailbreaking your retirement funds or what I call leaking that out slowly. Now, if you want to go over this in a quick onboarding call with me, go and sign up for the Huido Pipeline Club at com slash club and you get one free quick coaching session. We can talk about this very thing. How will your taxes get impacted and how to, best strategize to take your retirement funds out. Or check out, we've done a couple coaching calls on it. And when you do sign up for that that list, you do get access to all the past coaching calls too, along with the one we're going out today. Second to the last point here, 1099. They will be reported from the Zellie Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, GoFundMe. So if some of you guys were keen to the fact that all these pay apps... We're going to be telling you to the government what you're making or you could get some payments in that way without paying taxes. on. Shame on you. You shouldn't do that. So that is, might be kind of smart. But now, starting this year, those apps will probably will be sharing that information to the government for whether whatever it's worth. And this is probably had to do with several years ago, they started to ask for social security numbers on LLCs. So this is all part of the government getting more and more information, whether it's right or, or wrong. Who cares? It is what it is, folks. So get used to it. And the last point here, the 1040s are due on October 15th, not 2022, not in April. I don't know why everybody thinks they're due in April. The You need to file and extend in April, but Be like all the cool kids and just extend it out to October. Your tax preparer will thank you in the long run and they will be less in a rush. And they might not want to just do it the easy and quick way when you do it like that. You can also see the latest tax changes in the tax code unfold through the summer months. And some of these points that I made earlier today, you'll be able to make better plans. And some people think that giving the IRS six less months to audit your file is prudent too. I don't know if that's fact. but Look, just with being able to see what unfolds ahead of you in terms of which way the tax code goes, I think that's reason enough to, hey, man, just file it in October. Again, I, I think most of you guys listening out there are good little boys and girls, like how I personally was, pay your taxes or file your taxes when you're supposed to, which you they brainwash you think it's April, but really that's when you need to file, but doesn't mean when the ten four are actually due, which is, not again, in October, so... Be like the cool kids. Uh, if you need a new CPA, now's not the time to be looking for one. Probably want to be looking for one after the taxi. Maybe in April, they've got the most of the lay people doing their, their taxes at that point. And then March, they've got to do all the LLCs and corporations at that point. So that's a very busy time. In fact, it's already busy for them right now. Might want to be start hunting, and interviewing in May and June. Uh, if you need a referral, uh, shoot us an email team at Simple But yeah, if you haven't joined the club and checked out all the great information that we had behind the members portal, which you can only get when you sign up at Simple club, you can join us there. And thus far we've raised over a hundred and thirty million dollars from investors just like you from our group, which is crazy to think that. I'm not going to mention the name, but one of the big crowdfunding websites out there, they've raised about a quarter million dollars of capital, a little bit more than half of that, which is not bad for a little website. Uh, Simple passive cash Cashflow created several years ago, uh, 2016, actually, when we started this. But if you guys are... Also wondering, and if you guys are new to the whole private equity crowdfunding you know, syndication, 506B, 506C world, you know, go and Google on ESPN.com. The WNBA amounts a $75 million capital rate to aid growth strategy. And this is nothing new, right? This is how things are getting done in the world where I'm not advocating for this investment. I personally wouldn't invest in this they're going to raise 75 million dollars to uh, pay for a bunch of staffing costs to push the WNBA forward again but this is just a great example of something that is right underneath our noses that happens all the time where private wealthy individuals will fund a project and become part investors within of this little country club deal that they have going on uh, again we're not giving any leak or financial advice or investment advice you've got to be crazy to take some word of some guy from the internet. And that's why we tell you guys think for yourselves, right? Again, I'm not investing in the WNBA personally yet, But just wanted to point that out there. And if you guys like the show, please rate and review. It's been a while since we asked for that. And enjoy the coaching call. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went, and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Passive Cash flow listeners. Today, we have our friend Will Rogers. We don't know if that's his exact name, but that's the name that we've chosen for him today. He is you, a William. Simple Passive cash flow OG here. So here's this guy. When we started the podcast, we would do kind of organic events, pop-ups, and we stopped doing this because we realized whenever you put real estate on any kind of local RIA, this is when I was back in Seattle, a bunch of riffraff comes in, you know, people who don't have any money. And, but this one dude came in and he made, I don't know, what, what were you getting paid? Originally, like 150, 200,000 at your tech job.
1: Yeah, and around that.
0: Did you have the beard at the time?
1: No, I grew into that.
0: You were like, what, just out of college, high paid salary. They call you guys Henry's. I don't know what the acronym called is, but high income, yes. not high net worth yet back then.
1: A high earner, not rich yet.
0: Yeah, Henry's.
1: Yeah. <laughs> my I changed my name from Will to, to Henry.
0: Got it. But net worth, slightly over a million. But why don't you continue the story for us?
1: I went to school on the East Coast. I graduated in 2016. And then I moved out west for a job to become a Henry. So it was working for Amazon. It was a very low level starting position, entry level. And I was a software engineer or a programmer, those of you who are not in the tech industry. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad because I was probably like three weeks into my job. And I was like, man, like I spent four years prepping for this thing. I don't feel like I'm making an impact. I didn't like what I was doing. I guess I just have like a low pain tolerance because I was only three weeks in. But yeah, I just, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then I started scouring Meetup, like meetup.com like the, or the, the app. And I saw like a hundred different ways to meet up with people and talk about real estate because that's the way I thought w- was a good way out. Tried to do my own developments, but I wasn't like rich enough yet at all. I, my income wasn't there. The Seattle market was too high priced. So I just kept looking and failing. And finally I stumbled upon simple passive cash flow. and uh, specifically Lane, he was still here in Seattle. I think at that time he was trying to get rid of like 10 single family homes or something
0: henry like you to unload the single family homes too Nah, just kidding
1: it was kind of true i mean you said hey you should start with a couple single family homes i got a few and then you know things make sense we'll move on to syndications and i basically begged lane to just let me jump ahead and just say okay like i get the single family home thing i don't want to be called at night i don't want to manage managers of properties can i just be in a, a syndication
0: In 2015, I had 11 turnkey rentals and realized that there is nothing passive about direct ownership in rental properties. This coming from an accredited investor perspective. Our group these days are mostly accredited investors, strictly looking for syndication deals for a purely passive investment strategy. One part of my portfolio is the American Homeowner Preservation, or what folks in the Huey call AHP. George Uberry, once apartment investor and mentor to myself, is now sponsoring Podcast for the fourth year in a row. His private note fund, which by the way also accepts non-accredited investors, cuts out the middlemen and allows you to invest directly with him to fight the mortgage crisis in America. Feel good knowing that you are helping families stay in their home after buying their underwater note at a huge discount. Join him by purchasing distressed mortgages while cashing your distribution check on a monthly basis. Find something else better out there? Just let me know. Invest as little as $100 by going to AHPtitle.com And if you want the free Burn Zone book, claim it at Cashflow.com slash AHP. And don't forget to join our private investor club to get more insider access. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club.
1: Frankly, my net worth really wasn't there yet because I just started working just fresh out of college. The income, I think, was the only thing that really made sense. But it did take me some time to kind of uh, nudge Lane into to letting me into a deal. We, we formed a relationship, got to know each other, things like that. And that was, yeah, that was 2016. So now we are here, 2021.
0: Back in that day, like their first couple of years out of college, what was your top line salary? I asked this of everybody, like, what did you able to save? Like, and that's kind of your velocity, how quickly you're moving. Like, basically, yeah. how much of a cheapskate were you? You're still kind of Super. a cheapskate.
1: I think this year, this year is the first year that I decided to ease up a bit. But yeah, when I first started, especially in Seattle, like these rent prices out here were completely foreign to me. i had been in Virginia my whole life and, you know, 700 bucks a month in rent was pretty solid. You get out here and rents three grand and you're like, what's going on? So I got as many roommates as I could. I actually had three roommates with me. We were living in a three bedroom. And so one pair of roommates was actually a couple and they shared a room and we divvied up the rent and and I paid as little as I possibly could. And uh, yeah, so I think my entry level was between, I think it was between 120 and 150. And I think the first year I saved 78,000.
0: I beat you. (laughs) <laughs> my time i was over 100 i didn't make sense to save any money but that's all that really matters like if you're a younger person or even if you're an older person if you can save 50 g's a year i mean you're gonna get to where you want to be in under a decade i think i agree yeah talk to us about you know, you, you're you hanging out with like a lot of people with like to traditional mindset where i think you know a lot of. Computer programmer types, a lot of ego, right, is involved in those kinds of jobs or the way they invest. Maybe talk us through the struggles and the, the differences between the simple passive flow folks and those, those that peer group you're stuck in.
1: The biggest challenge was upfront me converting, but then you know, as any reasonable person does, they'll look to their left and right, maybe talk to their parents and say, "Hey, is this does this make sense?" Things like that. But you're right in the in the engineering sector, at least, especially software engineering, people love optimizations and they love thinking that they can dive in and do it themselves. So it's not uncommon for friends of mine to think they're stock traders and lose an entire year's salary just because they thought they could be, you know, a stock trader. Or it's not uncommon to have friends of mine who really, they just want to optimize their 401k as much as they can and they're, they do a mega backdoor Roth and all these things. And, and, and in my opinion, you know, they're kind of like optimizing percentage points. So, you know, there's not many people around me who would do something like this just because they're busy either micro-optimizing or they believe that they can do way better.
0: And that stuff can get addicting and it can really feed the ego when there's like that instant feedback, right? You make a trade and you get confirm confirmation bias,
1: I think. Yeah, a little Um, dopamine hit. Yeah. And then you double down. Yeah.
0: One of your first deals, like we had, like fires, and then we didn't pay cash flow for like a couple of year or two, mm-hmm. it just kind of gummed up cash flow. But I-, I think a lot of people they don't realize, like it's kind of like a train where there's a lot of slack. Like the train might stop, but things might be going well, but you don't see that slack come out until the very end.
1: For me, it was about uh, visibility, right? So if I understand that it's recoverable and that the long term business plan is still valid, like who cares if if. You know, as long as people don't get hurt, who cares if a couple units burn down, if a tree falls on it, things like
0: Oh, that. the tree, you're in that one too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of it. I mean, it's been what, like, I don't know, five years, six years. So it's, yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. Did I tell you on that tree one, we also had a homicide?
1: You sent out the news article. I wasn't going to yeah. mention that here because that, that really scares people and thinks that we're, you know, I don't want people to think that we're like slumlords. We're really not. But these things at scale, these will just happen. So
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why I bring it up because we kind of stay away from the Class C, hairy stuff, you know, a little bit better clientele today. So
1: personally, I think it's like a lot harder for you, Lane, to like manage those deals and make them happen. But those are the ones with, in my opinion, like a lot of meat on them, but they're, they're riskier.
0: Yeah. Are you doing any direct real estate personally these days? Because some people will do is they'll buy little rental properties locally that to me don't make any sense but it is what it is right they do it in better areas but then they'll go to us to outsource the hairy pain in the butt stuff with difficult tenants and that's the way they diversify amongst the 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 pay scale i guess
1: yeah because you need that
0: so henry talk to the young henry's here let's kind of build the timeline So you you started this in 2016. That's when we first met. Tell us what you you did. And then maybe, you know, take us through the years, what you did, and maybe some of the lessons learned here. I think this is the best page to kind of talk through. And if you guys are listening on the podcast form, we have this in the YouTube channel. We have the personal financial sheet up with the the investment, the year acquired, the cost improvement, market value, et cetera, if you guys want to follow along in video format
1: i'll try to be audio friendly too because you understand
0: you're very you have a very high eq that is what i notice most computer programmers engineering types do not have that right and i think from what i see a lot of the the engineers that invest with us, they're typically, they're not your your cubicle dwellers or the technical. They're the people who have some people skills, stepped in engineering sales roles and kind of got in out of the trenches with that stuff. But it's just a takeaway that I've kind of seen from you and other engineers amongst
1: the group. That makes sense. That's a lucrative angle. Software and then software sales. It was 2016, I begged Lane to get into the first deal in terms of uh, a syndication. So basically I would be part of the limited partnership, the LP. And then Lane was part of the GP. So he was responsible for bringing people into these deals. And then he was also responsible for vetting them prior to me I mean obviously I still have work I'm responsible for my own money right so I need to validate everything that Wayne is saying and make sure things make sense make sure the business plan's is feasible I had to pick that up and learn it pretty quickly to get into that first deal I don't even think that first deal is displayed here but I, I can't remember what it basically any deals that are closed I don't think i put here because the the market value is now zero so personal I don't financial what sheet the is just
0: one. supposed to show currently what you owe today but I think you jumped in to a Georgia deal maybe I think that's
1: okay but... it might have been it might have been the Joseph or I, I don't know yeah we'll we'll see but anyway regardless that was the first deal basically I just saved up all the money that I could kept my expenses low I liked the deal I liked the Performa I was happy with um, the business plan it didn't what I liked about it, it doesn't promise any stellar returns right I was my my general plan was to build up several of kind of base hits Get a foundational layer down to to replace my living expenses, and then start swinging for the fences. So you know we can talk about that you know more later if we if we need to. But that was the rinse and repeat attitude I had for at least I think the first four deals were just going to be base hits, apartments, stable communities, population growth. I think I got into maybe one or two C level deals, which I. I actually didn't mind that there were problems, you know what I mean? Things happen, but that's where I I wanted to go. So
0: Yeah, and I see here maybe we shouldn't show this to folks, but like you got in at the right time we were kind of getting started and you got in at the lower middle, done this because we had built a relationship and I didn't feel super comfortable with you plopping in fifty, a hundred grand. But gone are those kind of days. Because I'll tell you what, it's a crapshoot. Like, you know I mean? You know, yeah, this, this is a yeah. game of social investing both ways, right? Like I've met, I've built a relationship with you. You've come to Hawaii and hung out at the retreat. It's been quite lucrative, I think, both ways, right? Investing. But sometimes yeah. when you bring in investors at under $50,000, they're kind of interesting characters. And, and you've I've pointed this to you, right? Like, because you're on the fast track and you kind of zip by all these investors, People in their thirties, forties, and fifties, and, and I mean, the way they, they wrap their mind in terms of investor mindset or just money scarcity, you know, ideal.
1: Yeah, and it can. Yeah, I think I think what was important to me was understanding it from a root level, trusting you, and then understanding that all of my work was upfront, right? That that's really the key to investing in syndications. Do all of your homework, and then once the you know, once you you send your money over. That, that's it. You're an LP, right? You're, you're a silent partner in this. And if, if it goes bad, you didn't do your homework. And so you can see here that I think I did at least a reasonable amount of homework. That Huntsville apartment, th- th- there's one apartment listed on this sheet here where it says my the acquisition or the cost to, to, to get into the deal is 50,000. And it says the market value today is 8,200. That's just because we were waiting on that last little bit to trickle in because that deal did Finally closed, so that we we still made a lot of money on that deal, or or more than fifty thousand that I put in. But but yeah, that's don't don't think of that as like we lost eighty or you know ninety percent of the investment there. Yeah,
0: and, and just to summarize for folks, when he means like going in um, base hit, stabilize, you know, light value add first, and then I don't know if we kind of came up with that strategy for you to aggressively kind of move into more home run, but then you kind of went and did some developments.
1: Yes. Um, So, so yeah, that, that, so here's the thing. Lane was kind of my foot in the door to the entire industry. And then I don't know if you've ever met any other real estate people, but people talk about it. Like people really love it. The community is pretty big and, and there's not a scarcity mindset in the real estate community that I've seen. So, you know, talking about it, networking things, I basically met other people who do what Lane does, but in different areas of the world and in different asset classes and in different stages of those asset classes.
0: I, so like, I think most, you have the ability cause you're not married, no kids. In theory, you should be able to take more risks. After, but I think it's prudent exactly what you did. So I think this is a great blueprint, but then you kind of went into more of these developments where now personally, I'm kind of looking at a New York development myself because New York, you got beat up, right? Like, Heck, this F- is the up. time to do it. Yeehaw.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I was really scared because, again, like I did all my homework, I put the money into the development and then COVID hit. Yeah. So we we thought it was going to go bad, but then lumber skyrocketed and we had most of our places um already built up. So now all of a sudden, we're looking at extremely valuable assets. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I just got lucky there, I think, but it didn't look good at the start.
0: What is your kind of general advice to this? Mines is like, well what Ryan's doing or what I'm saying is like, if you're listening to the podcast and you really shouldn't be using the podcast as financial advice, that's just silly, but get in a, a few, do- get in a dozen stabilized deal first, then depending, if you don't have wife or kids or spouse or whatever to worry about and you're, you, you got a good stable job, then roll the dice depending where you are in terms of your mindset.
1: Yeah. And it, it depends too, you know, make sure you have your emergency fund. I don't think I have that shown on this sheet, at least, you know, make sure you have a year or two of expenses saved up and then, you know, make sure that you're not going to miss the money and just, just keep like keep working hard and keep putting money into it. And,
0: and guy, the Henry's, they can make hay now before they get married and they have to go and go to council with somebody else who's likely going to say no like I got lucky right like a lot of the stuff I did first was before I got married and I got proof of concept but most of the people in our group they're married and they're kind of getting started so I totally sympathize I may not have the best strategies or' been through it myself or have the experiences but other people's problems huh Henry
1: <laughs> well no I mean I I would say it is but it's also mine too right I I want to expand my network and I want to help my friends out and and I want to show them the way you know in terms of Real estate is, is, a, is a really good answer. But the thing is, is they they only will see what they want to see. So if you come to them with a pitch and you haven't proven success, like you don't have a proven success of, uh, or track record, they're going to be skeptical, right? But now if I tell some friends about this, they're like, oh, you got to get me in. You know, I have like friends lining up saying, hey, like, how can I get in? Can you connect to me? This is how much I have, you know. But five years ago, I was laughed at. So it, I, I see that could be similar for spouses or, or family members. So let's,
0: you came to the re- the retreat in 2019. You drank the Kool-Aid with everybody else. And mm-hmm. I remember you were kind of just searching, right? Because at that point, what was your network? Maybe half a million. It wasn't that much. No. But you yeah, had I, proof I, I of concept remember. with this stuff at that point. And you knew, take us back to that mindset where you thought you were going to be in the plans at the time. and Then we'll kind of go through the, the jump.
1: So in, specifically, you want to know, yeah, specifically, what do you want to know?
0: Like, t- take us through like the transition because everybody hears about people who are starting off or mm-hmm. kind of people who've already left their job. But take us back. It just wasn't too long ago that you were. I mean, you had a cushy six fig multiple six figure job. Give it up. What take us through? The process. Oh yeah.
1: So basically, how did I? Yeah. Transition transition into that stage two because so basically the way that I thought of it was get that base layer down. Right. And then once I have that base layer, start taking more risks and that those more risks would be in terms of real estate, but also in terms of life. So
0: what, what, like, is it a number baseline? Like, and it's different for everybody. It it
1: was, it was, it was a mill for me. I I needed a a mill. Once I, once I had a mill, I left my $300,000 job and I am now, you know, I went to go make an educational product that teaches people how to get into the tech industry that took about four months. And then after that, now I'm, now I'm at a small healthcare startup. So, you know, that's salary cuts, you know, that's everything, but it's, it's far more enjoyable to me.
0: So you left the, like, I don't know know what they call the big five tech company.
1: Exactly. Fang is typical. Yeah. Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google.
0: Yeah. We don't want to say who they are. They'll come and find you. One (laughs) of the big four. And (laughs) you went from what salary to what
1: Um, after the transition
0: yeah that's a big thing
1: yeah so this is so like I said like why my safety net was so large of of a million I think was because I knew the cut would be substantial so my last year at my job I made 300,000 and then I left into a basically four or five person company to make this educational product. I was actually just going to like partner with them and and bring my content to their educational platform. And you know, I had no idea what I was going to I had no idea what they were going to pay me, but we worked out a monthly kind of stipend that they would give me and that was it was roughly 50,000 a month, but you know, it was only going to take me 3 or 4 months. So it wasn't it wasn't close to 3 300,000 there and then we also worked out a royalty deal that would kick in after we launched the product and then obviously those those monthly stipend payments would would go away but yeah i mean that, that was risky to me because i mean you know I, I i met this guy online i literally just like messaged him on linkedin was like hey can i make a course on your platform so it was it was it was a huge risk and i didn't know if they were solvent enough or anything like that but i just trusted them and, and went with it
0: it was a bit of a success but now you kind of i mean Projects like that isn't going to come around. But now yes. you've kind of found that more long-term.
1: That's right. Is it so this a little bit more play. Yeah. yeah. So uh, right now I'm at like the 180 mark for salary. And then I get a, a half a percent of the company. So, but that's all funny money, right? Like it's, it's you know, until we get bought out or go public or something like that. I mean, or leverage buyout. You know, I mean, it, 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 I'm not going to see any of that. So so basically now it's like 15000 a month from that place. And then I, the reason why I took this, I was actually like going to retire just because like I had good monthly income from the royalties and I had a good safety net and and I don't have many financial commitments, but the, the opportunity, like I said, it's just, you're at the stage now where you can say, why not? And you can risk something for a few months. And if it doesn't work out, just leave and and then go hang out, chill and wait for the next great opportunity. So I, I took on this and and now, you know, I, I used to be like a software engineer. Now I'm more of like a leader uh, across different organizations in in the company, which it, it would that would have taken me years to to do at my old job.
0: Is it a resume builder?
1: So I thought it would be, but I I it's it's the only startup I could find, Lane, that actually has like enterprise clients. Like they're extremely early stage, but they're already cash flowing. They have enterprise clients, you know. Six-figure contracts, seven-figure contracts, and oh crap—an uh... existing
0: PL of profits <laughs> and a revenue. My <laughs> <Thank> goodness.
1: <laughs> Which is, you know, what I mean. Like that is—that's—that's that's <laughs> like a, a one-in-a-million chance. So yeah, I—I'm actually extremely bullish. Yeah.
0: So I mean, from my point of view, it's like you know, your salary is a lot lower than what you should be getting, but you're kind of trading that sweat equity for a bit of an asymmetric risk that. That this is the this is the beauty of your situation is you take those kinds of risks at this time you don't have a five ten thousand dollar mortgage although i don't yes. think you'll ever get that in the next 10 years Somebody... I, I hope
1: not unless i you know get crazy and then lane you gotta shout at me but yeah yeah I, I it is a substantial pay cut for that asymmetrical upside in fact my old employer did call me since i left and they asked me to come back and they wrote me an offer and stupid to say no but you know i said no you know that was yeah. that was between four and five hundred so
0: so most people listening or in the group would probably take that and just go rock on their butt and just do that for maybe five to 15 years but i think you're a little bit of a minority in terms of your i mean you're, you're age too i mean you have much you have time to around with this type of stuff but explain to us like we've had this conversation before you have a bit of an itch right to kind of do something more meaningful and yeah i think this is you're a lot more experienced beyond your years and part of that is like it's not how old you are in my opinion it's how much time you have to think about this random stuff like this and i think that's what financial freedom does it gets you out of the day-to-day and kind of get more philosophical but i mean so you you if i recall you kind of looked at one time Hey, why don't I do something entrepreneur, right? In the realm of real estate and then take us to that journey.
1: Yeah. Can you refresh my memory there? I I have like a hundred ideas and and I get really distracted.
0: Yeah. And I know we've checked in a few times in the last several years. I remember at one time you're like, you're trying to buy some rental property. You're trying to do the turnkey thing or the burst. And I told you, man, you're giving up your, your competitive advantage. You know, you're pretty good at this computer thing, you know?
1: What Don't I do anything other than
0: computers.
1: What I didn't understand is that you have to look at barriers to entry, right? And you have to look at market knowledge and you have to look at track records. So I had uh, none of those going for me when I said I wanted to go flip houses or I want to do a burr model in Seattle. You know, there's there's a trillion YouTube videos of that online. and And really all you have to do is... You know, maybe you can wholesale your way there. Maybe, you know, you get an FHA loan, you put down nothing and you, you try to make it work. But it still takes three to four years, I think, to actually build up what would be my equivalent current income. And uh, so that's an opportunity cost of at least, you know, 900 maybe. So, yeah, I just I think at the time I just didn't I I I disliked where I was so much that like anything sounded better. But yeah, I think that was just like where I was. That was my mindset at the time was just like get no matter the cost. But I eventually realized that I just need to suck it up. So,
0: yeah. So, I I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks as I always kind of ponder random things. So, this concept of like being in the top 10%, 5%, 1%. So, like, I've been kind of screwing around with my trust, right? Trying to find strange ways to pay out my kids when I die one of those things is like you know the trust will continue to give you x amount of money to sustain a pretty decent life but if you want the mother load you have to demonstrate that you're in the top one five ten percent of the people that you're doing so for example I don't know what would you say in the computer programming world
1: I mean you're basically saying we'll give you you know in terms of trust we'll give you this monthly stipend or whatever but But if you want all of it, you have to prove yourself. Yeah. Okay.
0: Or like, if you like, for example, say you're my kid, and this is just hypothetical, Mm -hmm. there's no way I'm going to really write this into any kind of document. I'll just brick my trust, right? If you came to the trust, um, trustee and said, like, hey, I want to get at daddy's trust fund, and I want to do it, we would probably say, heck, hell no, man, like, you're like 50 percentile at best, or maybe top 20, because you're kind of smart, Right. But then we would look, you would somehow need to demonstrate that you're really good at something and the computer programmer, I don't know, maybe your top 10%. I don't know, right? But something, because I think what when you raise kids, what I hear a lot of people is you're trying to find what is their penetration into what, one thing that is God-given talent that they enjoy too.
1: Yeah, my, my favorite mechanism for that is time. So, you know, you can try to plan for all these things, but like, who knows what's going to exist by that, you know, by the time they want it. So my, my favorite one, and it's not not really a friend, but some someone that I do know of, they have a trust fund ready for them at 35. And their parents cut them off at 18. They made them pay for their own college. They made them, you know, pay their own way. So so basically the option is starve from 18 to 35, right? Or do something at, at, and what what actually happened is this person pursued what they liked because most of the time People don't want to be an artist or a musician, or they don't want to take a risk or be entrepreneurial early, early on because they don't want to starve at 60, right? They want to focus on retirement, getting that that bankroll up. So if you tell someone, hey, you got to figure something out. I don't care what it is, but at 35, you'll be okay. Typically, by that time, they've settled into something that they've liked. They've been you know, 10, 12 years at it, and they're typically pretty good. They've
0: done the 10,000 hour.
1: Thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
0: But what, what, what in that case? What about if you have a situation where somebody is really smart? They're just a little lazy, and all they want to do now is wait till they're thirty-five and go smoke ganja and play their guitar, and they suck at
1: playing guitar. How do they do that for free? You know, how do they do that for free? They have to create money somehow. Okay,
0: so you're saying like totally starve them on?
1: Yeah, they right.
0: everything until they're thirty-five.
1: Yeah, then they get the motherload. You know,
0: probably go off into the mountains somewhere and just
1: it's it's great you know you basically <laughs> say your kids college are taken care of your retirement's taken care of but you better do something
0: so the college is not paid for
1: college wouldn't be paid for so they got to work through it they got to know how much it sucks yeah, yeah i'm sure you, you you can you can you know fiddle with it in the way that you want but... yeah
0: well they have but that that if they want to go to college you got to pay for the damn thing and at least make the minimum payments therefore they have to go and trade time They're... for money in society
1: exactly exactly
0: kind of a form of child abuse potentially <laughs> some could see
1: it like that but. I think it's a, it's a forcing function I think 18 too young I think 25 is too young I think 45 is too old because now they potentially have spent because here's the thing at 35 too no one really knows what they want to do at 18 so most people don't know what they want to do at 25 so by the time they're 35 if they do have this escape hatch and they've really just been miserable for the last 10 years chances are they'll go switch paths and start to do something. okay i should have done this now i have that opportunity if you wait till 45 they're 20 years into doing something they don't like potentially
0: yeah 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 i like it we'll, we'll, we'll i'll think about that a little bit more Let i, I, I like think. the idea I, I like the idea of that but going back to like so in your 20s you got to this point where you were. i think a lot of high high net worth entrepreneurs get they have a lot of network they have means and they have a network to be able to solve problems and I remember that was one thing that stuck with me that you kind of repeated again is I have the skill set now what problems can I solve with the skill set because money comes to people who create value and essentially solve problems
1: yes and that's exactly right and and so I started off at websites right like I would optimize my company's website to make them the most money possible But now I switched over to healthcare. So we're basically we're optimizing the the revenue cycle of of hospitals. It adds value. I'm good at it. And people
0: do you like the fact that it maybe you making something a little bit easier, faster, saves somebody's life or so we
1: don't we don't save anyone's life. (laughs) And I'm kind (laughs) of glad we don't like it it gives me the opportunity to kind of breathe a little bit. Um, We're not making medical devices. We're not in the operating room. We're we're not uh, telling doctors what to do. We're not making any recommendations like that. We are using machine learning, but it's, it's really just after everything is said and done, after the patient has either checked out, right? Like, or, or died, how do you get paid by the insurance company or, or the government if, if that's, that was the program they're under? And so we, we make sure that that happens quickly.
0: Got it, got it. So investing-wise, switching back to there, what is the, what is the game there? Are you, get, are you taking more risks? Or, I mean, between the job versus investing, which one are you getting more risk tolerant towards or what's your game plan investing wise?
1: This is, you know, this is partly why I wanted to take the call with you. I don't know. You know, I I have my base. I am doing something that I like. I think it could be lucrative enough for me to get to the next level net worth wise. But, yeah, I just... I. I I don't know. I, my most recent investment was like a a fund, right. And it it was a 20 pref and they just make subdivisions. Why? Because I wanted to make sure if my royalty income ever that, you know, at least this would pad it a little bit. But beyond that, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm probably, you know, if I quit tomorrow, I'd probably still be able to fall back on like a hundred grand a year. So, and that's enough for me. So I don't, I don't know what's next.
0: There are a lot of people in the group that like are between five to ten million dollars net worth. They're maybe a couple of decades older than you. They're you know like the not not a kind of employee part of the business, but actually the entrepreneur that started it. And they they're exiting or they're at the point of exiting. What I would recommend is again come over to the retreat, and then you know you're good at this drinking beers and interacting with people and the fly on the wall, right? I think that's a good way to do it. It's like, you know, being the younger guy, it's good to kind of just be in the fly on the wall, find value, ways you can add value to these more guys with a little bit more experience and wisdom. I mean, like I, I, I'm part of like more entrepreneurial groups where you got to pay to get in. I mean, I would recommend finding those groups locally and then just getting around like high performer, successful people that make not fifty grand a year, but a five hundred thousand dollars, you know, and our, our leader of leaders. I I would say, I mean, what's five ten grand to kind of join a group like that, you know, more entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, and and that was yeah that 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 makes sense. I think he, here here's kind of my point with that is like let's say I do go to the retreat and I meet these people. They're they're exiting. You know, most of these people are are done. maybe, maybe they do want to go for round two, but most most entrepreneurs that I've met that have an act exit, you know, they're they're at least recovering for a couple of years. So, do you think they'd be ready for some young gun like me to come up and say, "Hey, you know, how can I add value to your current situation? Maybe we could do this or that." So do you maybe think not be really well received,
0: not really add value right away. But like, I mean, just to start the relationship and then maybe check in once in a while. But like, maybe it's different. Maybe there's a paradigm here between the people that you know, that are kind of exited, like a lot of those guys are in very asymmetric type of businesses, right? Tech stuff, right? <laughs> you know, like, I think that's where you come from. Where I come from, the people who are successful entrepreneurs, they've built up really boring non-tech businesses, right? They grinded it away and they just yeah. willed it. And for them, they, they know that they can do it again. Where subconsciously, I think the tech entrepreneurs, like you got a lot of lucky people just hit the lottery, basically. Yeah. So it's different, right? And the smart people who are in tech that hit the lottery with that stuff go buy a $5 million house in Bellevue, Washington and just hide out for the rest of their life and just hope that they don't spend all their money. But the entrepreneurs that I see a lot, the guys who have the boring businesses, mm-hmm. they have so much like business building that it'd be a shame for them not to use it. And, and they enjoy the rush, so they would be a lot more inclined that, to jump back right into the pool.
1: That's, that's who I'm looking for. And, and you're right. I don't have that, that network. Like I know people who got rich on Bitcoin or invested in GameStop or, you know, you know what I mean? And, and now they're, they're fine, but you're right. They retreat. So, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, mean, I don't know. That, I don't know people who are ready. I, I don't know a lot of people. I know one person comes to mind, but beyond that, like the network is pretty sparse.
0: Yeah. So like, I mean, of course you're kind of feeling people out feeling, figuring out where they are in the pecking order. But then you also need to identify, is this somebody who kind of built this slowly? You know, it's just like a blue collared investment. You buy a stabilized asset and you force appreciate it slowly over time. You know, oh, yeah. rent average rents go up five dollars every month. You know, sometimes it goes backwards, three dollars, but it you know kind of powers forward
1: as when opposed said,
0: to that that but, one the the lucky lottery winner who just gonna yeah.
1: I think the key that you said is the the boring business. I, I love boring businesses. Like if I if I broke down what our business actually does, like where I'm where I'm currently working, you know, it would, probably half the people listening would fall asleep. But that's where I want to be. I, I don't want to be in in an ultra exciting area because it's probably saturated. Probably has people in it who will get really rich and then probably didn't learn very much. You
0: you probably know people like this, like gamblers, right? Or you know, if you go to f- vegas with your friends you always have that one friend who like doesn't know what the hell he's doing Mm -hmm. and he'll he'll win really big and then he might say like i have this system you know
1: the system it's all about the system i've heard the system i've heard the system with stocks you know i've heard the system with gambling with with...
0: yeah land flipping right you know there's they (laughs) they feel like they have a system and they're gamblers but the people who you're looking for the people who are like, no, here's my system. I just think every day I make my business a little bit better to either increase the income minus expenses. Yep. So, two different mindsets. And the, the mm-hmm. fallacy, I think, for the gambler is that they start to associate the win with themselves, right? The self conforming bias versus the, you know, it, I, at the end of the day, you want to do something just like any worker, right? Any low-level salary worker, they want to do a good job is what I believe. And no different than yourself. You want to do a good job and be rewarded with the results. It's, the, it's yeah. the cycle. You are a high performer in life, and that's what you want. And therefore, that's, I think that's why you like to grow businesses. very similar to like, I don't know if you like to grow gardens, like plant vegetables.
1: My grandfather, he was a botanist, but <laughs> that's the I closest think- I've ever come
0: I think you might really enjoy that, right you okay. plant it and you go walk away, you come back in a couple of weeks few month, and you have some vegetables I, if If that's the case, like that'll confirm my my analysis of you, right.
1: I'll get a vegetable garden on the roof there, yeah, and, uh, but if, if, we if can't grow. i mean it's Washington, I can't grow very much here, so oh uh, yeah, yeah, you
0: gotta hit it when time is right in the summertime, right, but I mean that's. To me, it, like what you're trying to, like, you're a young guy, right? Like, you got to find something that feeds this dopamine. Like, you're addicted to this. Oh, yeah. This thing. Yeah. And yeah. I see like the people that who do that, they're just looking around for problems, a way to kind of go about solving problems. I mean, a lot of them like will look into, like, oh, let me go start a realtor thing because they like real estate. Probably not the best thing, right? Because you're giving up your advantage. But I guess at the end of the day, some, some people, their advantage is building, hiring people, building systems. I don't know if that's your thing, right? You're more technical. Well,
1: but, that is my thing, actually. Like, I think I used to be software. I wasn't actually a great software engineer. But I think I am good at hiring the right people and getting, like, a, a system down to, to operate a business.
0: Yeah. You, you know, that's, that's your, maybe your 10%, your top 10% in that category for your competition Feel
1: Okay. Gotcha.
0: But if, if that's the case, then I guess you could do anything you know at that point right is the people or bidding putting organizations but yeah i mean i think that's this i mean is that what you're kind of pondering these days trying to find that next vegetable garden or that next thing to make I, like,
1: I like the vegetable garden i'm in now with with my work at least i would like advice and and expertise on where to grow i think because like I, my mindset for the past five years has been like get the base layer income you know get 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 passive income get all that going i don't think more passive income is going to move the needle for me honestly i don't i mean like even if i double or triple my net worth that probably won't move the needle for me you know i probably need to to 10x and and i i know how to do that with a business sense right because i can go work at startups peek behind the curtains and and help them out but i don't know how to do that Here, as an investor
0: here's an idea so this is you know what a lot of like music musicians will do or like youtube stars will do is they realize that their their fire burns out pretty quick right for a lot of this stuff it's the not for long league like the nfl so what they do is they empower other they become like a producer for some other younger startup and maybe for you it's like maybe you create your own incubator if you enjoy empowering others mentor. if you like the people stuff you get off of that type of stuff Uh, that might be a good way to kind of
1: keep things going that's a good idea. It's funny you mentioned that. I wanted to, like, I not wanted to, but I explored that a little bit. I even bought some office space, but I just haven't had time to, to set it up.
0: Yeah. It, at the end of the day, I think most people will agree with passive cash flow, not a big motivator. It's not going to change your life very much. And with the G6 plane, just out of grasp of even the best <laughs> of us, if you can find <laughs> something that helps people, I mean, that's what I... I mean, civil passive cash flow is essentially that, right? I've kind of luckily stepped into this thing where we help people and then they're like, you know, they it's kind of a game changer for most people and then what they do after that, you know, that's up to them what they do with it. You know, there's if there's some way you can use your skill set to help people that's bridge the gap, do it a little quicker than what you used to do, then you might enjoy and get enrichment off that just helping other people, empowering other people. And that that's
1: very common and that that may be why i enjoy my current role so well because i i do i just i report to the ceo and i just help him as much as i can like get where he wants to go but yeah i i I do think you have a a good point there about scaling that out even and perhaps making an incubator but i do think i still need to kind of like have a track record before that sure you have a lot of time to do
0: that but i mean if you can't think of anything else then well then just give your money to of charity right but i think when you do that you don't get as you don't get leverage
1: uh, Man, we love right. it we're real
0: same verse. we love leverage leverage
1: know? and it doesn't compound you know it doesn't it doesn't like bring people together to work toward like you know it, it yeah it's not compoundable
0: yeah it's a nice that's like a nice firework show one time Yeah, yeah. to check and it's cool but yeah i think like rotary does this right like it, rotary has a lot of affluent people in it they're in that mode to give back they could just give money but they've they use the leverage they leverage the relationships of the group and then their problem solving skills to go and make a bigger impact into the community i mean i'm not gonna go i mean i'm not gonna go do habitat for humanity i don't know how to build anything either the only reason i would go is for like a workout but I just but see so you, that you've as- you've built
1: your community, right? Like, I don't know. You've grown something basically from the ground. Up. I wouldn't even say basically from the ground up, right? Like this is yours, right? It was just um... you and
0: me and six other guys who came a long time ago. But...
1: So you have that and, and I, I want that. It could be through a business. It could be through an investment. It could be through an incubator, but I think you're right. I think that's, that's where I need to focus. But Henry,
0: <laughs> that's what you're trying to build.
1: A Henry cult. <laughs> but Anything I, else you're I pondering these days? No, I, we, we covered it. Thank
0: you. I'm sure you'll have more questions in the future. And thanks for being a part of the group. You're always a lot of fun. So folks, join the group. It's a kind of eclectic folks. We got Ryan L. Henry here is kind of the younger guy in the group. I think the one thing that's common, even for the 50, 60, some 70-year-olds in the group, very eclectic group, like alternative thinkers, people who've gotten off the beaten path. So... And if you guys like these types of calls, you guys are already kind of in the community, reach out, let me know, and then we can make up a fake name for you. Henry's already taken, and Mike's been probably used two or three times at this point. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. See you guys next time.